great day, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to the Strategic Possibilities Show, where we discuss success and growth to help you launch potential in your personal and professional life. My name is Emmett Ferguson, and I am your host. And hello, wonderful, wonderful people. Emmett Ferguson here, and we're going to be doing uh, ideas list number 49,062. And that number is not any specific order. It's just based on the check number that is on here on this guest check right here. And this episode, we're going to be talking about $10 billion ideas. So we're going to check this out. And I've been doing a 10 idea lists, 10 idea lists uh, each day based on what I learned from the book, Choose Yourself by James Altucher. Apparently, um, you know, I, I did another podcast episode about this too, and how becoming an idea machine, how, how doing 10 ideas per day can have a huge positive impact on you. So looking at what we've got right here, I've got $10 billion ideas right here. And we're going to go through them. We're just, we're just going to go talk about them and just see what it's all about. See what the possibilities are, what the opportunities are. And these range from business ideas. Now, I haven't gone out to specifically check on them yet to see if they exist or not. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. Maybe someone saw this list and was like, I got to go put this in action right away and test the market for it. So $10 billion dollar ideas. We've got one, autonomous car security software. So if you've ever seen the movie, I'm a, I'm a fan of diehard movies. You got uh, Bruce Willis. And I, I think this is live free or die hard or die, die harder or something like that. Live free or die harder or something. And it was the movie where there's a bunch of hackers and uh, basically the hackers take over the city and the hackers take over the city and they're able to control the whole city. So that's what I'm picturing here. I know it's a little bit of science fiction, but when autonomous cars finally do start hitting the roads, I, I think something that's going to be really important is security software, because ultimately it's going to be attached to some internet or web-based or maybe just maybe it's not or, or, or some technology like that. But what you got to do is make sure that when you're connected to the internet, whether it's through your phone, like if your phone is hooked up to your to your car, you got to have the right security in place to make sure that the autonomous car doesn't get hacked by somebody or there's not some sort of virus that shuts down your computer. So in the future, I think autonomous cars are definitely going to be around here in the near future, say next 25 to 30 years. But at the same time, the things that's going to be really valuable, you know, that autonomous car industry, it's going to be, you know, worth trillions probably over, you know, a few decades. But at the end of the day, if you build a security software for those cars, if you build those systems, you're going to, you got your billion dollar idea right there. And next, what we've got is we've got the electric car changing, electric car changing or oh, electric car charging monetization oh right here so if you've ever noticed it took a little while for this to finally happen lots of years at some point there were a lot of gas stations that didn't have tvs on them can you believe that now i don't know if every city has these but at least in big cities that i've been to the gas stations have televisions at the top they've got ads running commercials uh, public service announcements things like that so Electric car charging is fairly new. At some point, 
someone is going to figure out how to monetize electric car charging through advertisements, whether it's placing those little TV screens on them because electric car charging is not as instant as, um, or not as, not as always as quick as gas stations, right? So you put a gas in a, give a gas in a pump, the gas fills up and you're ready to go. You know, electric charging takes a little longer. So people probably can be watching these shows as they're either waiting or they're going to be listening longer. Or, you know, if they're not standing there, then obviously um, the ads aren't going to benefit, but maybe they can implement a system to just put ads. Someone who's able to place ads on top of these car charging stations. Now, I think most of them, you're probably going to have to ask for permission from the companies, but not only are you are you purchasing uh, the ad business is huge. So once you found that niche between the the car charging and the ads, you've got your monetization right there. So let's look on. Next, we've got number three: eye safe VR glasses. So with any new technology, there's always things that improve in terms of overall safety, right? So for glasses. When glasses first became a thing, when glasses first became a thing, there were there was just like the lenses, right? And then over time, they started to develop VR or, or or like UV blocking sunglasses, and then they made like shatterproof sunglasses and or, or glasses, and then they made glasses that are like you have to get a mandatory coating for children because it helps pre- prevent like certain types of damage if they're out playing. So there's everything. As new technology evolves, there's always constantly new things being developed. So with computers and your mobile devices, for example, I mean, computers have evolved their types of screens to be, you know, uh, to emit less like rays and stuff. And um, and even mobile devices, you've got the blue light filters because blue light, ultimate, I think blue light is known for affecting your sleep. So if you're looking at your phone late at night, they have the blue blue light filter so that you can better get to sleep. So eye safe VR glasses, that's number three. So with this technology, you've got an eye safe VR glass because another thing about eyesight, right? Just think about the possible concerns that people have looking through VR. You've got a phone literally inches from, from your face. You got this phone device literally just inches from your face and think about what that means. And not only that, not only the inches from your face, maybe even less than an inch in some cases, but you've got a magnifying glass in that thing that's magnifying the the screen. I mean, if you think about how that affects your sight, your vision, your, your pupils, your iris, all those things, it can have a, an effect. Now I haven't done research on this and there's a lot of, you know, going back and forth, but a lot of, you know, the, the eye doctors will say it's not computers that affect your eyes. And then some people say it's not computers that affect your eyes. It's something else. It's genetics and all that. But regardless of what you believe, there's got to be some impact on having a phone device inches from your eyeballs. You know, not only does it have like battery inside and heat and all that, but also the just the visual. So in the future, I think that there's going to be some modifications or someone could probably figure out now called like eye safe VR glass, you know, VR glasses that are more effective for the eyes that are safer, that, um, you know, create less harm. Like maybe they might even just implement a blue light filter into a, uh, a VR glass, glass case. 
So let's look at number four, recycling physical books for Amazon credits. Oh, okay, here. So this, I don't know exactly how this would do, how this would go. You probably have to build a partnership with Amazon, of course. Um, but, or maybe there's another sort of advertising system that you might be able to figure out, but recycling physical books for Amazon credits. Whether you're a reader, like, so, you know, you got one side, you've got recycling plastic bottles, you got recycling tin. I don't know if you recycle tin, but recycling glass and alum aluminum. I think you recycle like aluminum cans and, and cans and all that, or whatever. But you got recycling physical books. There's so many people have tons and tons of books. Now, there's people who love their libraries and will hold on to all the books that they own. They, they love having a library in their house. There's some people who, love to donate to a library. And then there's other people who just have tons of books that they don't know what to do with and they don't feel like donating to a library or they, they want to make money off of it, but they don't want to sell 20 books for like $5 because used books, you know, you got to sell them online for like a dollar a piece or something. Not always the case. It's just, just a, a hypothetical situation. But what if somebody figured out how to way, a way to recycle physical books for Amazon credits to help people recycle those books, maybe submit them to libraries, submit them to Amazon to print them on Amazon for Amazon credit. It's just an idea. It would have to sink into Kindle somehow. And personally, you know, I don't think that's really a billion dollar idea, but I put it on this list because it, it popped up. So the I say VR glass, you know, it definitely could possibly be a million dollar idea because it's based on the number of VR glasses that get sold for every unit that they sell. You know, ideally, you've got your your piece patented idea into each uh, into each glass, and then the VR glass company pays you for it. Next, we've got the algorithm marketplace. All right, so here we got number five, algorithm marketplace. Now, every company out there that is digitally based or needs an algorithm is going to want these. You're, you're talking about like Netflix, right? Netflix keeps their proprietary algorithms, keeps their algorithms probably a secret. Facebook keeps it a secret as long as they can. Um, Google, all the search engines, every, everybody's got an algorithm. Everybody's got a, a point, a, a best way to get a customer from point A to point B with B being their, their most likely item of purchase, content that they're going to enjoy, um, anything like that. So imagine having an algorithm marketplace. Now, I have a very difficult time figuring out exactly how this would work. Like basically, you know, somebody can have an, design an algorithm for a video, video tracking. I mean, did they do the, do the coding? Do they do the apps and app design? Is it algorithms that are already developed or is it algorithms that are like open source? So, you know, I don't have the exact details for the algorithm marketplace, but basically, you know, everybody's going to need an algorithm. And while most companies end up having like the algorithms from within, maybe for simple projects, there could be an algorithm marketplace like for, okay, here's one place this could work. You've got bots, right? You got chatbots. Chatbots are taking over every single business out there. Right, because it helps not only make it easier for their customer service departments, but it also helps answer the most basic questions and things like that. So, what if there was an algorithm marketplace for bot conversations? You know, that's just one way to get started. 
Um, another algorithm that could that could work is you know if someone had a really comp uh, high high highly effective uh, chatbot algorithm. Another algorithm could be for social media. You know, finding the social media algorithm, a, a dating app algorithm. You've got writing a popular book algorithm. So whatever the algorithm is, you know, there's, there could be a marketplace for it. And then people can license each of the algorithms into their own proprietary technology. They, instead of building the technology and then building the algorithm, they build the technology on top of the algorithm. There you go. So you got an algorithm marketplace. Next, we have the Number six, a digital detox hotel something for rent. Hotel in rent or rent. Okay, so I can't read the or retreat. Ah, so digital detox retreat or hotel. And here's the interesting thing: they've I, I, I'm pretty sure they've already got this. Uh, they've already got retreats, right? You go to summer camp, you take away the phones, you've already got this. But, and, and I can't remember the exact thought that I had for this because I think it was a little different than that. But the digital detox hotel, how would they do this? They would basically take you to a hotel. The entire hotel has no electricity. Huh. All right. Well, digital detox. I'll have to clarify exactly what I was thinking when I when I wrote down this idea. I wrote it on, down on June 14th here, but it was on June 14th. So maybe I thought of something else, another way that this could be unique. Um, or maybe I just thought about the idea based on you know ideas that I've already thought of. But digital detox hotel slash retreat, how else might that work? So how else might that be a billion-dollar idea? I mean, simply having a hotel that people could go to and get away from technology – where, where people are, where there are guides that help people to connect with each other without social media, without phones and everything, maybe that might work. Uh, who knows? Um, and then, you know, where does that separate from all the other things that are already happening? It could be that extra connection that happens. So next we have number seven, an app for property management maintenance workers. Ah, here we go. So with the popularity of Airbnb, Airbnb, Lyft, Uber, you know, what if there was an app that property managers, uh, property management maintenance workers could just go sign up? So most people or most management companies end up having their own man maintenance workers and they hire them. And then the same maintenance worker goes to different houses. And then, you know, that, that maintenance worker is getting paid hourly or whatever. Or maybe they get a stipend or whatever. But this would be an opportunity not only for property managed, managers to have more people on duty if they need. They could hire them at, at, at will, right, or based on this individual contract. I mean, they've already got cleaning services like this. So why not have maintenance workers like this? This way... This way, each property, you could do this in multiple ways. Each property can have multiple maintenance managers and you can call them in or you uh, or more benefit. I think the biggest benefit is for maintenance workers because I think a lot of maintenance workers can be underpaid for the work that they do. I mean, they have some pretty high technical skills, mechanical skills. They've got connections to do repairs. They're you know traveling from location to location. 
So what if they can set their own times? What if they can set their own their own rates as a, as a freelance maintenance worker for property managers? And property managers can rate them and, and hire them to go do different jobs and you know, ultimately save money, make their clients happier. But you know, at the end of the day, do does every property manager truly care that much about you know their tenants? Yeah, I think I, I think a good portion of them do. But for the maintenance workers, I think this is the biggest benefit for maintenance workers. You know, especially underpaid maintenance workers for the level of skill that they have. Right? I mean these these men and women maintenance workers are are repainting you know damaged properties or rebuilding damaged properties, replacing toilets, replacing um, doors, fixing doors, uh, you know, figuring out how to fix electrical boxes, managing basic solutions for, for home improvement, for rental properties. So they're doing so much and all those skills, they deserve to get paid more. So with that, we've got Number eight, and that could be a billion-dollar idea. Think about not only the value you're adding into the life of the maintenance workers, but also the the cut that you get, maybe a couple percentage points. Real estate's huge. Rental properties is huge. You can easily make a lot of money with that. And then number eight, you got recreating movies in VR. I definitely don't think that this is unheard of, but there must be a way to take a movie, a 2D movie, and be able to transform it into a 3D virtual reality experience. And you could either do that by taking the, the film itself and making that like maybe one quarter or however, whatever the angle is, maybe a 180 degree view. And then you turn around and then it's like the, the other side of the experience. It would take a lot of work. Um, you know, and just to experience the environment. I saw a great job of somebody doing this with. VR Van Gogh. And basically they took a painting from Van Gogh or a few paintings from Van Gogh and they put you into the Van Gogh experience. They basically built a 3D world with like a pool table and everything. And who knows, maybe this idea would not be good for recreating entire movies because that would be far too, ex far too expensive, at least the first, but possibly might work for certain scenes like you know maybe just the scene from just experiencing first person the scene from saving private ryan or just experiencing the room where where rosebud uh from citizen kane you know or experiencing uh the great gatsby the leonardo dicaprio um you know, version of Great Gatsby. I can't remember the exact director's name, but the, the, the Great Gatsby. And let's see, I'm going to give him credit for that. So let's see, Great Gatsby, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. All right, so you've got director Boz Lerman. Yes, so Boz Lerman and Craig Pierce, they created the story. I think it's a great movie, but with that, that so that amazing, like, epically designed those party scenes just imagine being in that mansion having that experience you know having dicaprio like give you that like hey there chap you know like you know whatever whatever that is just, it'd be cool 
and doing that in VR, first person, 3D, you know, maybe he's not even talking to you, but like you're just kind of in that room, you know, seeing all those people. But to recreate those things maybe may not be as effective as, um, you know, or, or to remake those movies would not be as effective as to completely do something different, right? And then maybe some experiences just are meant to, for the big screen. So, Let's see. We've got the next one. Number nine, three printers, but for photos. Oh, yes. So what if there was a way to 3D print photos? Now, I'm, I'm trying to remember exactly how I imagined this because I could see this thinking of this in two ways. You've either got a 3D printer that takes a photo and tries to build it into like a 3D sculpture which would take a lot of engineering and design and uh, CAD, I think, because you have to take the picture and then you have to make it into from 2D, make it into 3D, decide on the, the lengths and the width. So that could be really complicated. Someone could figure that out as a billion-dollar idea. But let's see, 3D printers, there must have been something else that I thought would be useful. Maybe, you know, here's what I'm thinking is it's – not just creating that little 3D you know, environment, but taking a photo of something and then having the printer actually print out like a flat version of that photo. Eh, why would you use a printer versus that? Who knows? Why would anybody do anything versus you know, something else? So just an idea there. And they would use different colors to print it so you could hold it and you've got like a physical like you know, I think the materials like plastic, some sort of plastic nowadays that they use on the 3D printers. So, you know, whatever that material is and you have like a framed version of that and it could be artistic. And here's the thing is all it would take, we've already got 3D printers. You've already got phones and photos. All you need to do is design a way for the printer to know the specific colors that are used and to be able to mix those colors and design 3D printers. So someone came up with that. Maybe it could be a fun software that you put into your 3D printer as opposed to having a completely new 3D printer. And you would sell it for $100 per every 10, for 10 million people. So 10 would be 100. Yeah, you sell $100 to 10 million people. There you go. Um, and then... And then you got number 10, social media technology for companies like 23andMe. So this is interesting. It could potentially be very controversial. It has to be accurate because there's a lot of potential. Um, there's a lot of potential. There's a lot of significance in this. So social media technology for companies like 23andMe Ancestry. Imagine if you could be on social media, like 23andMe already does this. They already have a system where you can connect with people that are, that are, that have DNA like yours, right? But what about if you had like a social media platform that helped you specifically connect more engaged with the people that you are friends with, like just a little bit more in-depth of social media technology. So with these billion-dollar ideas, 
That's $10 billion ideas that we've got on this guest checkbook. And with that, I hope you got a lot of value out of this episode. I hope you enjoyed some of these ideas. And, you know, I wish that some of you wish for some of you to, you know, get even success from these. I hope you were able to bounce some ideas off of these ideas and to be able to make some even your own. So with that, I wish you the absolute best. Thank you so much for watching. Be sure to uh, like, share, subscribe, check out my podcast. It's on Anchor, Spotify, um, Podadict, all, all those other platforms called Strategic Possibilities. So subscribe here, like, share, follow, subscribe there. You know, engage. That's what that's what we we should ultimately do. Just engage with each other, comment, subscribe, find my social media, Mindset Ferg, let me know what you're working on. And look forward to hearing from you. Have a wonderful day. Thank you so much for watching and listening.